Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Good morning. Well, as we say in Ghana, Mori Mario. <laughs> Good morning. So, our brother Kujo, some of you call him Dr. Joe, some call him Pastor Joe. He was supposed to preach this morning, but he's stuck in Sierra Leone, which is a good thing. Because now he'll miss his wife more and he will appreciate her better. <laughs> Amen. But last week, last week we talked about entering a season of fasting, amen, at least fasting till the end of this month. And we also made it very clear, it doesn't have to be burdensome, amen. The single most important thing in fasting is that you actually make time with the Father, amen. It's the single most important thing. So if there's a medical condition, which means that you actually have to take medication, would say, just watch the volume of how much you eat, uh, look at what you eat, and eat in such a way that you can comfortably take your medication, but still consciously make time, amen, with the Father. If you can do it till noon, and that's the best you can, it's fine. It's not, we are not legalistic. The objective is not to kill you, <laughs> it is to just draw you closer to your heavenly Father, amen. Amen. If, you, if all you can do is what they call the Daniel fast, that's fine. Daniel fast is when you live on vegetables and fruits and cut out all the poulet and uh, poisson and you know, all the delicacies. The, amen. But this morning I want to talk about why fasting is necessary. Amen. Many times it is presented, or at least when I was growing up in church, it was presented as something the very pious among us do, the very holy, the, the sages, those who have reached special heights with God, then they fast. So we look at them in awe, because some of us just couldn't manage to abstain from food. But, but you look through the scriptures and you discover that there's actually great reason to fast. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to paint the picture of three characters in the Bible, three people in the Bible, and times in their lives when they, they fasted. The first one is Moses. <laughs> the title of, it is possible, it is possible. The title of this morning's sermon is What Next Moments? What Next Moments? A great time to fast is when you find yourself in a what next moment. Moses, after many years of waiting, finally finds his dream to redeem Israel from slavery come true. Eighty years he waited. He has, with the help of God, finally broken the shackles of 430 years of, of Egyptian oppression. Led his people through the Red Sea. And now they are at the other side of the Jordan River. He'd spent over 80 years dreaming of this day. 
and it is here. But now, what next? Slavery is over. They are out of the land of oppression. But what next? How is he going to get them to the promised land? Because it's one thing to get them out of Egypt, but to get them to the promised land. How is he going to do it? How is he going to guide them? How is he going to get the laws and habits of Egypt that they had been so much a part of for 430 years out of them? How is he going to instill in them a true and genuine love and fear of God? In that God, what do I do next moment? Moses decided to spend time in the presence of the one who has the blueprint for his life. Amen. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 4 to 9, and this is paraphrased, it says, so Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first one. The first one he dropped when he came from Mount Sinai and saw the enormity and intensity of sin, the, the orgies and the misbehavior. He was so shocked he dropped the tablets. So this morning, he carries two new ones. And the Bible says, early in the morning, he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. And he called out his own name. This is the first time. God had revealed himself to Abraham, but never told him who he was. He led Abraham from, Chad, uh, from, from the area of the Chaldeans all the way to a land that flows with milk and honey. And Abraham still didn't know his name. He just knew that he was the Lord. And Moses says, you say you love me. You say I am privileged. But I want to know who you are. So for the first time in human history, God reveals his identity to humankind. And this is the encounter. It began with Moses setting time apart to seek his face. And for the first time, God tells Moses his name. In traditional Hebrew culture, this is not a name that is mentioned. Typically, it was spelled as Y-H-W-H. Consonants. And it wasn't meant or intended to be pronounced because it was too holy. Amen. Today, we pronounce it as Yahweh or Jehovah. Or if you come from where some of us come from, we say Jah. But this name is so holy, it is not supposed to be pronounced. And Moses, he has God introduce himself by his name for the first time. Amen. See, then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Amen. Moses, immediately, threw himself to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Oh Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Amen. This is the first month of a new year. Would you not want to pray like Moses and say, Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, travel with me through 2022. Amen. 
this is my prayer. Amen. Lord, travel with me. Amen. I may have a sense or a desire of how I want the year to go. I have plans. I want to get married this year. I want to go back to school this year. I want to travel this year. I want to, whatever it is, it's Lord. Will you travel with me this year? Amen. Verse 28 and verse 29 of Exodus chapter 34 says, Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. In all that time, he ate no bread and drank no water. And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets, inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. Amen. We want to enter the rest of the, the, this year with radiant faces. Amen. You step into an environment and <laughs> there is change because you have spent time with the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. It's not easy. You know, it, <laughs> Moses wanted to succeed at this and he knew that he couldn't do it in his own strength. Amen. This morning we pray that like Moses we would say, Lord, travel with me. This marriage, I got into it. I was excited. He loved me and I loved him. And there were always butterflies when we met. But now I see that you have to travel with us. Amen. The second character is Daniel. Daniel chapter 9 has a very interesting beginning. It begins with a photograph of a frustrated Daniel. It was a time when Babylon had a new king. And Daniel had no idea how this new king's reign was going to go and what the future held for him and his people. They were still strangers in another man's land, exiles, who sit by the rivers of Babylon and there weep and, and sing the songs they used to sing in Jerusalem and cry. I think Bonnie M made a lot of money singing that song. By the rivers of Babylon. Beautiful song, but actually, it's a song of heartbreak. Amen. A beautiful people, strangers in a land that demeaned them. Daniel needed to know. And the Nebuchadnezzar, kings had come and gone. What is happening to us? God, what's next for us? We've been here. A young man from a royal family. He had blue blood. And yet all of them have been castrated. Impossible. Impossible for them to have children. Because the system didn't want them to multiply. So Daniel had been made an Enoch. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that's why when you read the Bible, you don't see any children. And Daniel begat. The begat begat. You don't see Daniel and co in there because they have been incapacitated by the system. And Daniel was reading and he discovered that actually this captivity wasn't supposed to go more than 70 years. And he needed to know God. What next? What's going to happen next? Verse 1 to 3 say, It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, 
who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. Amen. At this point, it was already past 70 years. And Daniel discovers from intimacy, spending time in God's word, that actually we're supposed to be free by now. What's going on? What's going on? I've given my life to Jesus. The Bible says, if the Son therefore shall set you free, you are free indeed. But I'm still in captivity. God, what is going on? I still struggle with addictions and habits that I'm too ashamed to name. Lord, what is going on? What is going on? Verses 20 to 23 of Daniel chapter 9. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, angel Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me. At the time of the evening sacrifice, he explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. Who wants insight and understanding into what God wants to do in your life this year? Amen. If you're like me, you want to spend time in his presence. Since the moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. Amen. Amen. Listen carefully. Sometimes you're stuck because you lack insight and understanding. Sometimes the only obstacle in front of you is your own lack of knowledge. In fact, the Bible paints a picture where the most powerful enemy on earth is actually not the devil, as we like to believe and how we are often, as we are often taught in Africa. It says it is for the lack of knowledge that my people perish. Amen. But it's not every knowledge you find in a book. Sometimes the best knowledge you'd have will come from spending time with the one who knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Amen. The one who has a plan and a purpose for your life. The one who finds you as precious and has great intent for you. Amen. Some of us grew up in such religious circles that the thought of God is an angry father eager to punish us. And yet this is not what. Daniel went saying, forgive me, forgive my sins, forgive me, oh, we are not worthy, forgive me. And that angel comes and says, listen, you are very precious to God. Amen. He says, you are very precious to God. God is eager to guide you. Amen. He has a microscopic and a telescopic interest in you. It is worth every second, every moment, if you can spend time in his presence. Amen. The last character is our Lord and Savior, Jesus himself. The prophecies about his destiny began even before the first couple, Adam and Eve, checked out of the garden permanently. In fact, it was at the moment when they were about to be evicted that we got a hint of the Messiah. Genesis 1.15, God was speaking to the serpent 
and says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring, not offsprings, offspring, and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Amen. Thousands of years later, Jesus will hang on that cross on a place called Golgotha, which means the skull. And his heels will be pierced with a nail. He will strike his heel and he will crash. An earthquake will happen in the place called the skull. He will crush the head of the serpent. And the curtains that separate mankind from God will be torn apart forever. And all of us will have access to our heavenly father. Amen. So this prophecy went out a long time ago. Thousands of years after these words and countless others had been spoken, Jesus finds himself standing in front of his recluse of a cousin, John the Baptist, ready to be baptized, ready to lay down his carpentry tools. He who used to make doors was ready to become the door. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. He who used to work with trees was getting ready to be nailed to one. It was a what next moment when Jesus gets baptized. He's baptized. The Spirit of God descends like a dove upon him and a voice speaks from the heavens and declares, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. He's 30 years old. All his life, all he's known is carpentry. And yet his very name is Jesus the Messiah. How do you transition from being a carpenter to the Messiah? Jesus finds himself at a what next moment. The Bible says after he was baptized, then Jesus, this is Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River where he'd been baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all the time and became very hungry. Most of the time when we read this story, we just worry about the temptations of Jesus. Because he spent time with God, he had the strength to overcome. Amen. But even more importantly, verse 14 to 21 says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Amen. Where did that power come from? That power came from intimacy. Amen. That power came from time spent with his heavenly father. Quality time spent seeking his face and only his face for 40 days and 40 nights. Amen. So he returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Amen. He stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives, captives will be released. That the blind will see. That the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled out the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Amen. This morning, I don't know if you find yourself at a what next moment. Typically, if you are at the beginning of a new year, that should be a what next moment for you. Amen. And we discover from these three different stories that when you find yourself at that intersection, the road ahead may look promising. It may look overwhelming. But one thing you can always do, one, one thing you can always do that will always be right, should be that you spend time seeking the face of the one who knows better than you. Amen. This morning, this is our invitation. This is our invitation to draw closer to the one who knows us better. The one who loves us so much he died for us. The one who cares about us. Amen. God has no pleasure in your suffering. He's not sadistic. Your suffering gives him no pleasure. Your pain gives him no pleasure. And that's why he's eager to lead and guide you. Amen. Jesus came. He died. That wasn't enough. He says, I need to equip you for the journey ahead of you. So I'll send you the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he will guide you into all truth. This morning, I want us to bow down our heads in prayer. Say, Lord, help me this week to seek your face. Grant me strength where I am weak. Where there are distractions, the distractions I can't do away with because I have little children and they constantly need attention. I have a busy job and I never, but Lord, this is my heart's desire. I want to spend time with you. Help me create a time for you. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me. He says, you shall seek me and you shall find me if you seek me with all your heart. What have you been doing in your own strength that you've been struggling with? I know one who can help you. He says, call upon me. And I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things you didn't know. Father, this morning we come before you. And we yield to you. We surrender to you, sweet Holy Spirit. We look forward to another week of seeking your face. We want to be fertile ground, Lord. A land that yields 30-fold, 60-fold, and even 100-fold. We know we can do it because you are with us. Help us. Anything that distracts us, Lord, help us. We thank you for this call to intimacy. Help your children, Lord. And may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. 
if it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.